Hi there, and welcome to the Glass Half Full podcast. My name's Andy Stevens, and I'm your pod host for the day. Today, we'll be looking at girls and women's rugby, which is something close to my heart through my work both at the rugby club and through all your school's work I've been doing recently. I'm very pleased to be joined by three special guests who have this particular topic even closer to their hearts. Introducing Duncan Johnson. Yeah, hi, Andy. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Uh, Mary Ann Collins. Hi, thank you, Andy. Thanks for having us. Uh, the one and only Bryony Cleal. Evening. Evening. <laughs> so, for the benefit of our dear listener, uh, start with you then, Jonas. How do we all get involved in rugby? What was the first experiences and uh, what changes have you seen over that time? Okay, well, thanks, Andy. Um, so, I started, obviously, I played a bit of rugby as a kid, like everyone has done, played a bit of touch rugby as I got older, but I took I have I have twins as I tell Bryony the best twins at Ellingham Ringwood. Um, I have twins, and one of the one of those Bella started playing in what would be under sixes at the age of four, and I was on the sidelines as a parent, and I just decided to try and help out. I think it was a very similar time to you, Andy. I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bella's now all taught in, in under thirteen, so eight, eight or so years ago. And she was the only girl. She's probably the only girl for about two years, I think, in under sixes. Through to under seven, and then slowly more girls joined. More girls joined. The other twin in our of my three daughters joined. And then I think when we left mixed rugby, which was at under elevens, we took ten girls up with us, which was amazing. Brilliant. Um, and obviously, we started the under 11s at Ellingham Ringwood, um, which we will probably circle back to later. But I think just the, the, the sheer numbers, I mean, we took five girls to a big Hampshire festival. Um, yeah, and they were there because they, they were just very good players. It didn't, you know, the, boys, the boys trusted them, believed in them. There's a few comments that if the girls play well, the team plays well, which is something that's always sort of lived with me. So, yeah, I think the big change, Andy, has been the the number of girls that I've seen at grassroots rugby and we now we, you know we had a big festival yesterday a big intra-club tournament we had almost 40 girls playing which on the first Saturday of half term is uh, is superb so yeah I think it's purely numbers but I said that but I started with, with a daughter who just wanted to play rugby and I've been involved ever since so that's, my that's brilliant it is a massive jump mate that's brilliant great work so, so Marianne what about you oh hi yes um well going back about six seven years ago I um, decided to go down to my local rugby club and on that day they had a mini festival so I went down basically to find out information how I can get my kids involved and haven't looked back since um, my eldest has uh, stopped last year and I've got two little ones I've got an under 11 girl and I've got an under 9 boy that is playing at the moment um, at the moment, our own club doesn't have a girls' program. At the moment, they are just successfully um, having their women's team develop. But now is the time to focus on the girls, I think, to try and keep my own daughter within the club atmosphere at the club that we are at. Cool. That's good. That's good. Well, go on then, Bryony. Um, so, yeah, I... Oh yeah, how long have we got? Hopefully a long time. Um, I guess what, how, when did I first get involved? When I was seven years old um, was when I first started playing rugby um, and I've played ever since and obviously now um, I'm a professional rugby player, which is pretty cool to always say um, and no. be able to say. No. 
Um, and, and I guess hopefully all the people that all, all the young girls that are involved in them and hopefully your daughter, Marianne, um, can inspire to be that. And I think that, yeah, so that's my role in rugby at the moment. I'm a professional rugby player. Cool. Cool. Just a professional rugby player. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. So on that, so we sort of talk about obviously starting at the grassroots at the young age. Um, great news about the Allianz coming in with the sponsorship. I see it is particularly pleasing for me the fact that they're not just sort of throwing money at the Premiership. Obviously, we love to see money at the top end of the game. But how do you think that the, the money they're throwing at the grassroots and the Indian Warrior campaign, I mean, how do you think that might sort of build up the future of the rugby? Jonas? Yeah, I think, I mean, actually, I think in pre Allianz, what I would say is I remember taking Bella to watch um, Poppy play. I think it was the stupid, I think you were there, Bryony. An England game. It must be four or five years ago, and it was relatively. It wasn't empty. There's probably a couple of thousand people there. And then eighteen months ago, we went to um, Sandy Park to watch the game there. And I think you were you were in the squad. Riley Poppy played. There were other sort of people that we'd met through sort of previous games, and it was superb, Andy. It was genuinely one of the best sporting events I've been to. I've been, yeah. to, I've been to Wembley, I've been to Trippin for the men, I've been to Anfield in the day when you stood on the cop. So it was truly brilliant. The girls loved it. So I think even I think in the last, I think Allianz will bring so much more to it. But I think some of the stuff the Red Roses has done has been inspirational as well, I would say. I think it's, um, what I also think you see is people like, it made a difference slightly to the men, is the access the girls get to people like Brani. It's really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Allianz will do a great job. I think they'll really improve, you know, sort of the investment of Guadalupe. But if I could say to to Allianz, where should they put their money? Really, you know, show the girls that pathway. Show the girls that they can become, like you said, a professional rugby player. Because I know the girls are inspired when they see, like yesterday, we had Poppy and Georgia down. They've been coached by Leanne Riley before. They've been coached by Rachel Burford before. Um, obviously by Brian before. And I think if I if I had if I spoke to anyone at Allianz, I'd say to take that money and link up grassroots rugby and show them that pathway. So I think girls struggle a bit with a pathway. I think it, unless you go to university, maybe I'm wrong. Unless you go to uni, where'd you go? If you're a really good rugby player at 16, 17, you know, maybe maybe that's one thing that you know, we're missing. Maybe Annie, you, know, you, you and I have spoken about yeah. this before. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's been great, Alliance. I think it was, you know, obviously the Tills was good. You know, I think that, that there was a few big packs of crisps floating around. But um, I think the Allianz will take it to another level, and it's, uh, I think it's brilliant. You know, even the streaming of all the games now, I said we watched, I've watched two or three games already this season with the girls on stream. I know other um, you know, mums, dads and daughters have as well. So I think that's great. That's yeah, what I would cool. say. Yeah, I think it's really good. So, Ryan, how do you feel about um, having that sort of the same sponsor linked to the both ends of the game, as it were, the top end and the, the entry level? What sort of difference do you think it might make? Oh, well, it could make a huge difference. And I think Tyrrell's missed a trick. I really think they did. Um, obviously, I've been involved or been around Alliance with the Link Saris, um, and they've always been such a good company to link with the women. Um, and I think if they can take this opportunity and really link up the elite level with the grassroots level, I think that's sensational. And Duncan, when you say that Sandy Park was one of the best um, sporting events you've been to, I mean, that's what, that's what it's all about. And I think... Yeah the fact that only 2,000 people could watch at the stoop because they didn't really know about it and it's not 
accessible to them it's not visible to them if alliance can make it accessible and visible to all girls um then they're gonna have some memories for lifetimes they're gonna remember the the stoop oh they're gonna remember the sandy park they're gonna remember the red roses and if they can then show them the pathway like you say i think you're completely right in what you say that there isn't that visible pathway a, a, a young boy knows what to do or how to go about becoming um a professional rugby player or it's so easy yes it's available for the girls now but is it truly in the sense that they i wouldn't know i wouldn't know where to direct a a, a young girl and how to really become a, I tell her what advice i can give her but actually truly is there the the ability for alliance to look at yeah using us as role models or or is it just the rfu need to make that more visible and easier for girls to understand how to do it i don't know but i think there is an absolutely um a need for alliance to actually take a look at the girls game take a look at the grassroots games and and think about where how best can they spend their money and how best can they use the kind of the the, the ball's rolling now for women's sport how can they get on board yeah absolutely i think we- I mean, Marianne, how would you feel if, I mean, obviously, if Allianz are happy with the Prem, how that's going and the engagement at the, the grassroots level, what about if they were to throw some money specifically in the middle to help you developing the women's side you've already got and building up the girls' side of it? I mean, what would that mean to you guys at the Crowthorn and Cambria? I think it would be a fantastic opportunity for any club that would have that back up from them as well. Um, obviously, in this day and age where we are in the world today, it's a bit harder to get into schools to help promote girls. Um, sure. I think, you know, social media has to come into play with this as well, as well as role models like yourself, Brian, for, you know, young girls. Um, the girls' player uh, pathway isn't consistency within the girls' teams at the moment for the younger age groups, I don't feel. Well, I don't, as Brian said, you know, there isn't really a pathway, is there? I mean, I don't know. Had anybody got any suggestions how we actually go? I mean, Brian, did you see, ever see any kind of pathway where we could actually send girls up to Saris to get them seen by the coaching team up there? Or it's, how far away do you think that is? Yeah, it's so, it's so difficult because Saris are really, really good at um, developing the young young players and they brought them through the Centre of Excellences. But now I'm... I, I'd struggled. I, now I haven't seen that this year, and and um, I struggled to know what to do if a seventeen-year-old said, "How can I come? How can I come to Saris? Um, I think it's really difficult, and I think in the in the girls' game, it's on it's on um, girls. It's on their own backs. It's on their parents. Like, are they pushing them? Like, and then it's like that shouldn't be the way. It shouldn't be because one person's got a pushy parent and one doesn't. Um, right. So. And it's very much on them to go and and it, when really if you're if you're a boy in the situation you'd get picked up at an early age they'd be in your school they'd be at your local club you'd be in an academy before you knew it and then they're not only breeding excellence before you know it but they're also then b- building the player pool because yeah. the boys all want and and I just wonder I wouldn't know personally even how, what to really say to a girl r- r- other than bring your bag to Alliance on a Tuesday and come have a runabout but. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't say that. So please, no one actually do that. Um, so but, what time is that tomorrow night, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> so it's really difficult. Oh, and um, oh yeah, I wouldn't know actually where to to point them out really. And that's something that when people ask me, I feel really bad about not having an answer. And yeah. I think that doesn't that ultimately does isn't I think to, to do with Alliance. It's really the RFU and um, and if they could maybe look at it and and take it apart. But then it's so much so difficult because. 
of the situation there and with funding, it becomes such a tricky situation to try and solve. Absolutely, absolutely. So now, now that the uh, all our sort of development local resources are gone now from the RFU, it's very much now down to the, the clubs to try and push the players up there and, and get them seen. Even with off kids first side, we've lost that um, support yeah. Yeah. network that we've had through the RFU, through Adam and Marissa. Um, and, you know, to see that go, it's been, you know, a major knockback for probably a lot of clubs as well, really. Yeah, I think you're right. You're right. I mean, the fact that there's no no support for the kids first. I mean, you'd like to think that the clubs like yourselves and ourselves that have been promoting it quite heavily would carry on promoting it and carry on spreading it. But ultimately, we're not going to get the sort of cover we were getting before. So it's a bit of a blow. Um, so I think it's really good then that we've got these other companies coming in, throwing money at the game at, at that grassroots level to try and help push it forward. What, so, Andy, what is, what is frustrating, and I see this, obviously, I've got a godson who's involved in the Bath Academy on the boys' side, my daughter's involved in netball, and so Bath Netball have an academy thing where they have, you know, areas around the counties. And we, uh, I just don't understand why the girls don't have that pathway. You know, why don't certain clubs cover certain areas? For example, we're probably, it's be difficult for us at England, we're sort of on the eastern side of Chiefs, the southern side of Bath, and obviously we're it's a long way to Sarries. We'd obviously love all that to go, but Quinn's probably our nearest one. But for someone like Marianne at the top of the M3, it'd be very easy to have a pathway through to Quinn's, you know. And I, I don't understand why it's not there. I mean, you know, it's um, we've got some, you know, I think we've got some cracking girls in the in the whole setup at the moment. And I'm, I'm a bit with Brian. I'd love to see him get a pitch up, but you know, one Tuesday a month and tr- and train alongside, you know, the pros. It'd be brilliant for them. It's such a, you know, and vice versa for the younger girls to see to get coached once a month by you know, the sort of elite coaches as well. So it'd be something yeah. I, would, I would really like to see. If I think, you know, that's the one thing I think a pathway for girls. Um, and it's it hasn't got to cost loads of money. We're all aware of what's happening in the IFU. It hasn't got to cost loads of money. And it's all about giving the girls a pathway, especially the ones who can't afford to go to university. You know, I think it's yeah, yeah. really important. Really it's, important. it's the aspirational pathway, isn't it? It's just that, I mean, no detriment to the, the women's team at our place, but, you know, what, what can we offer the girls once they go beyond under 18s? You know, it's either go away to university or, or they play for our women's team, which, you know, it's a good standard. It's no bad thing. But it would be nice just to be able to dangle that, the, the carrot of, a you know, go and train with Saris or Quinns or whoever it might be. It'd be fantastic to be able to offer that. So do you think then, so with the World Cup next year, do you think that might help promote that and actually make people realise that we do need that kind of pathway? to excellence because it's still even though we've still got top level players and some fantastic players in the women's game and I, I love watching the women's game um, I, I took Matthew, but Tracy and Matthew's first trip to Twickenham we watched England men play Samoa and then we watched it was Poppy's first start actually um, England Canada and we far preferred watching the England women play Canada because it's a fast game it's running at space not running at faces loads of tries being scored and yeah, I've still got a bone to pick with you, Bryony, because Poppy didn't come and say hello to you because she was too busy with you. But there you go. Oh, so didn't come say hello to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's another day. That's another day. Yeah. Andy, just 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 before we go on to the the, the World Cup, can I just ask yes. Bryony a question? Um, it. It, it's linked to Twickenham, actually, Bryony. Do you think 
the women should play before the men at Twickenham? Because I think when they play afterwards, I, I think it'd be so much better if they could play before. What, what do you think about that? The Twickenham experience for the women? Great question, mate. Um, I think that to be like in, in my heart of hearts, I think every game we play should be at Twickenham. So that'd be the, the best start. Um, I don't think I I understand. I can see why logistically why some games might be played at Sandy Park because look how good it was. And yeah. up at, um, but then I don't. Then I do question um, games such as the Doncaster one where the capacity is sold out. Why can't we get a big capacity place? And then I do. But the, so then I do understand. But then I always think as England women we should be playing at the home of of, of English rugby. And then do I think before or after men? I think. Um, again, it's logistically, isn't it? But yeah, I don't see why we couldn't play before. Um, what for the? But no, I don't. I don't know. I don't think before and after. I think um, either or. But again, it's logistics, isn't it? Because it's just the ticket holders. Because they offer us as a free game if you did it before the men. Yeah, yeah, the whole cool. everyone yeah. would come in and then stay for the smoke game or the barbarians <laughs> game. Um, but as a spectacle, I do think we deserve to be at Twickenham and ha- even have it as as our own as a single header, or if we have it as a double header, um, give us the opportunity to sell more tickets and to see how many people would come and support us. Because I think what gets me is it shocks me every time that every time we play somewhere, we are selling it out or we are filling it up more and more and more. Sandy Park is the the, the most that ever watched. Doncaster, we sold it out the last two times we've been there. So I just think, give us the opportunity and let us show you how many people are, are ready to support us. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you think there's a benefit then, Bryony, in, in not the... It's almost the, the roadshow, isn't it? The, the the Red Roses roadshow. Oh, taking it around to the community. I, I do... Uh, yeah, I do think there's... I do love that fact and I do love the fact that we can get out and about and that we do have sold it out in Doncaster and Sandy Park because it really does prove that there is the want for um, us to play and people to watch us. Um, So I I do completely get it. It's really difficult. It's like, it's it's something slightly different from the men as well because we are getting to all the spots and maybe kids that can't travel all the way to London or their parents can't take them all to London. They can truly experience what it's like to go watch England play rugby. Um, so I do get, but, and, and France do it so well, France sell out most of the stadiums down there as well. So I do get it, but um, sometimes you always do want to run out of Twickenham, don't you? So. Yeah, yeah. So thinking about the home of English rugby and all that, and so crossing to our, uh, our lady from across the water. So, Marianne, how would you feel about, would you prefer to take the kids to see, or your friends to see the Red Roses play at Twickenham, or would you prefer going to a, a more sort of rural um, venue like Sandy Park or something like that? Um, there's not like going to Twickenham, is there, really? And it's the whole experience of being in the England home ground. So I would definitely say that watching, you know, England uh ladies play at Twickenham is a massive bonus I think um I would I would like to think that they'd be first before the men because obviously it's getting that status of the, the women's game up um the, you know it's a big massive stadium it'll get packed out um and it's going to you know sh- showcase for a lot of people that don't tend to really watch the women's side of the game to see what it's really like yeah yeah I, I, I find it quite disappointing so when we when we came kind of did the the double header, the number of 
people that just left after the men's game and didn't even give a thought to the fact that they just yeah, there's another free game they can sit and watch. Yeah, it's just like, no. yeah they, they didn't realise that sometimes they just don't realise and it's just they're just not looking for it. Or uh, no, but yeah, no. but um, I always wonder why like Ireland don't play. Um, where they they've put them at Donnybrook or Scotland have played once at. Uh, Murrayfield in the Six Nations. I'm like, why are the why are other unions not following suit and and uh, letting their their women play at the home of their rugby's? I think yeah, it's it's, the, the, the only problem Andy, I'd say for Twickenham as a dad with, with girls, and I've taken all my 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 three daughters and my wife to see the women play. If we were to Twickenham and there's five of us, we're paying seventy five quid a ticket if it's before the men because they won't kick us out. I wouldn't have thought after you know before, no. before the men start. But we went to Sandy Park. I think it was a tenner for adults and five for kids. And that's massively affordable. And I yeah, think yeah, that's the yeah. challenge. I'm, I get everything about playing at home with rugby. And I'd love to see the Red Roses play in front of a full house. But it'd have to be some, you know, I think that might have to be a single game. Because I think if they did it before the men, they'd, they'd want to charge you eight quid a ticket. And that kills, yeah. that, that kills a lot of families, you know. Yeah, that's a good point, John. It's a good tough point. one. But that's why, tough that's one. what I wonder. We don't need to be before or after the men. We no, are... Agreed. Um, we could be on our on our own, and there are pe- the people want to come watch us play. They, they, you you see it the stream that we had the other day at Saris, five thousand people watched it, and that wasn't even an official stream. It was just something that's put on by Saris. So yeah. it is out there. It's just I've, even now I wonder why the Alliance Premier Fifteens hasn't picked up someone to stream it. And again, you understand the logistics and everything behind it, but people do want to watch it. And today I sat on, on Sky Sports YouTube and watched world tens and as much as i loved it because it's a rugby to watch i'm thinking why can't you how much is that costing you why can't you do that for rugby that's happening on saturday right now and is elite level women's rugby a bit like friday night's game as well with um ireland and italy i watched it streaming from facebook yeah and it, it, it so it's been it's been streamed why can't bt sport jump on it or someone put it on I don't know, Sky Sports action and pe- people want to watch it, but there's just not that's there's not someone at the top of Sky Sports who goes, let's put it on. I don't know what they're doing. I think they're asleep. So we need to find uh, a nice friendly sponsor that will put their hand in their pocket for a little bit of money to help us get these games online, which should sure. be repaid tenfold, twentyfold. Surely, surely something like Channel 5, or I think do the highlights programme for the, for the Aviva, I think, at the yeah. moment. Surely they should. I mean, that'd be great. Saturday afternoon, put a, put a Premiership you know, women's game on every Saturday afternoon, two thirty. Oh, that'd be brilliant. I think that'd be amazing. You know, and you know, everyone's got Channel Five. You know, it's be, it'll be superb. I think it, I'm, I'm with Brian. You can stand on its own two feet, and, and then yeah. you know, thousands of people watching it, and it will grow the game. And it's and you know, it, it'd be brilliant. But yeah, someone's got to grab it. So. Yeah, and it, it took the F, the FA, the um, the women's football, the FA um, set them up on the FA player, and then eventually they got ta- they've got taken over. Now they have a highlight show on TV every Sunday, I think it is. And it used to be at 11 p.m. and then so many people watched it. It's now at 9 p.m. Um, and and that, that took a few years, but it took someone to then stick all the games to make it available on free play on the BBC free player or the FA player, and then bit by bit then become on normal TV and then it came at a normal time but someone's got to put their neck on the line and go this is going to this is worth a pump we've got the Rugby World Cup next year do it now Absolutely. and the ball will roll but yeah, someone's yeah. got to do it but then so if they don't do it now then I guess post World Cup it's got to be must surely oh you'd think you'd hope 
we might think we've got, we got to generate enough. I mean, the nice thing about the Rugby World Cup next year is the fact it's in New Zealand, so there's a bloody good chance it's going to take place. Um, you know, so it's, it's going to happen. So, we, A, we've got to get it on telly. You'd like to think that New Zealand will be providing plenty of streams because they're pretty good at just putting their rugby on telly. Was, and you just was, think was it, people will be picking it up. Was the last World Cup, it was on ITV, wasn't it, I think? Was it all, was it all yeah. on ITV, Barney? Yeah. It was every game, and yeah. it was. So I'd love to see it on ITV again. I remember watching the final of the last World Cup, a prime time, 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, sat down, and it was brilliant. It was, you know, and I've hopefully, fingers crossed, and you know, ITV or BBC or you know, Channel 5 again, as I mentioned, could pick it up and show the... I know it's a dodgy time, it's the... Um, the Netball Red Roses actually are out there at the moment and, and their game starts at 6am, I think, on, on Wednesday. So it'd be similar, I guess, for the women. But it'd be brilliant. So. Brilliant. Yeah. So on the... So thinking about promoting the women's game then, what are our thoughts around it now just being the Rugby World Cup as opposed to the Women's Rugby World Cup? Bryony, what do you think? Um, um, I like the sentiment, um, but it doesn't really... The only thing I want to see is then that um, kind of thought process and that um, view of the World Cup change as well. So how it's how it's portrayed in the media as is it going to be portrayed on the back pages in the in the paper? Are we actually going to be able to read about it in the Sunday in the Sunday Times? You know, because I feel like yes, the sentiments there and they've changed the name, but will we actually see it in in media outlets? Will we see it? Will ITV actually show it? Will they do a highlights? Will it be on the BBC News in the morning? Things like that. So um, I'm fully behind the sentiment. And um, obviously, it's so exciting to see things like that changing because I do think it, it did, did need to change. Um, but uh, hopefully, the sentiment can follow and and the, um, the how it generates and inspires the next generation and how it gets the ball rolling for women's sport, I guess. Yeah. I so, think the... Sorry. Oh, I, think, I think the Women's Football World Cup was was a great example of how things should be done because I watched that. It was brilliant. Okay, and the and, and, and sort of Riley's point is now women's football is now front and center. And I think the World Cup was done. It, it was live on the BBC. Okay, and it was it was great to watch. And I just I think that that could be the example of what we need is to get it is to is not copy the football. I don't mean that, but I just take you know take the take the good parts of that coverage. And get it on the back pages. Get it on the, you know, on the BBC News. So yeah, I think it's it's hopefully one yeah. you missed. Yeah. I hope not. Hope not. I mean, Marianne, you're you're looking to build the women and the girls game. I mean, if it did have the the name women's in the the title, do you think that would help? I definitely do think it will help. I think um, just take the inner warrior, you know, thing that has just went completely, you know all over the UK and you know wasn't that long ago that Steve you know the all of you have said look we might be looking at doing something for the men's side because obviously they've noticed a massive dropout in men's in some other areas of um, the game so definitely putting women up at the front definitely would help the cause for promoting girls and women's. I think it'd be great as well I mean I think Nolly does a great job commentating. Do we know any other girls that have done any commentating recently? Maggie Fonsi? <laughs> I was talking about you, Brian. Oh. <laughs> I, listen, I listen to you, Brian. I, I listen all... to you. I was my <laughs> list of all the people I know commentary. That doesn't count as commentary. I don't think you can count that performance as commentary or anywhere near it. 
But how did you feel though when when you and Hannah were asked to do it? I mean, how did how did you sort of make you think? Do you think that it's, they're starting to look at more players now to get involved on that side of it? I thought. I, I thought. Oh, I thought. Here it is. Sarah's trying to save some money. So I thought. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Oh, you know what? I was I was so thankful that people like Sarries want to stream it. They really, really did want to stream it, and I think, and then it just reflects. They they literally were like five thousand people watched it from all over the like all over the world. Um, I think there's so yeah. many different countries that had, had logged on to watch it. And I think, um, I was so thankful that they wanted to put it up there, and that that was a thought that they wanted to get the players to come in and commentate on it. And I think it worked really well. And I think this weekend worked really well too. Um, and I hope all clubs can um stream their games. But again. I don't think it should, should have been up to the club to do it. I think it should be up to there are a few to really have pushed it. And I don't I don't know the behind the scenes. I can't comment on that. But I just think there are spots in women's game and in the girls' game and that are just missing. And I think yeah. someone needs to take the ball by the horns and really push for it because it's going to be such an exciting year next year. And hopefully, like we said, we can follow in the Football World Cup and um, and kind of get the ball going in that sense. Yeah, I think we've got. I mean, you'd like to think that any kind of future sponsorship deals would involve a compulsion to get it seen by the masses. It's like um, it's like the next big. This obviously we're talking a lot about the elite level in that sense, but it's like the next progression onwards. I feel like we're making such strides in the visibility of the Alliance part, um, the Alliance Premier Fifteens, and in and and we're seeing such strides in the. the the visibility of the Red Roses and the things they're doing. I mean, t- only today I saw BBC Sport, Sarah Hunter had paid for some preschool meals for children during the half sure. term. And yeah. that, that's, I don't know, that, I, I wouldn't have even seen women's rugby on in BBC Sport, but actually that's in BBC Sport now. And um, I'm, I am seeing it change. So I just feel like that that's the next kind of step in for the elite game as such. Well, Barty, you go around quite a few clubs as part of the sort of coaching and, and mentoring bits and bobs. Compared to when you were playing in sort of minis and juniors and girls section, have you are there a lot more more girls playing now at that sort of, sort of local club level? Would you say? Oh, hundred percent. What the what women what girls um, rugby looks like now at the grassroots le- grassroots level is so different. Um, I think it's so different in the environment they're in when they play with the boys. I think there's definitely a like a more accepting. Um, environment and I think you said it earlier when you said when the girls play well the boys play well I don't think that would have ever been a, a comment or even a thought um, or the team plays well I don't think and so the environment they're in and, and even the fact that they can turn up maybe at the end of eights and there'd be a few girls um, and I think that really does make a difference and I think when when you're an 11 year old girl and you're looking to move from mixed into um, just girls rugby are you going with a friend or are you on your own? And I think it's quite a lonely environment to be in if you are on your own and your your club doesn't have a girls team. You're suddenly gone from being in the community club, being in the club every Sunday, to you won't be there any again. And that's really quite sad if you've made all these friends and you're, you go to the club and it's the same club you've gone to since you were seven and now you can no longer go because they don't have a girls team. Um, and I think the fact that so many more clubs do have a girls team and there's so many girls that do now play um, it definitely what girls rugby now look has changed, but I do. There's still so much from in my eyes that can that can still change. Absolutely. Well, on that to on that point, then. So thinking about so the growth in girls numbers that are playing, the fact that Allianz are coming in top and tailing you know, grassroots and prem, 
World Cup next year. I mean, how, Brian, let's go with you first. How would you see the girls and women's game in five years and then in 10 years? How, how do you realistically think it's going to grow? It's, uh, it's uh, to be fair, it's a million dollar question. Uh, it's like, look at, like, if you'd asked me when I was 17 how it looked now, I don't think I would have thought um, I would see it even go professional. Um, so, and I think it's testament to how women's sport has changed over the years. I, I didn't, I think, and that's the, that's the naivety I was grow, I was, I grew up in, and the fact that I never thought women that was an option for women. So I think it's, it shocked me that that was an option. I think I'd always been grown up not thinking that. So now I can think that is unbelievable, and I think, can we? keep it going and can we see um the alliance premier 15s all become professional um can we see more clubs look to look to put their focus into their girl section or can we look to get more clubs building a girl section so i know that quite often a few clubs will sit in their laurels and have a girl come and then say oh this is the this is the next club you go to you go over here and and it's like a natural progression that the girls yeah, that come yeah. they then go there's a, there's that one club you go to for example um for in the south of where we where where I'm from it was always if you wanted to play champ you'd go to the Trojans and so people yeah. were just kind of funneled into there but it's like why would you accept that so I played at Wimborne for a bit because Ellenham didn't have the girls section and then why did why was it an option that Ellenham didn't have a girls section surely the time and effort that gets put into the boys section, why would that not be an option to go into the girls? So I'd love to see that kind of them changes and, and people's mindsets in clubs and in um, change to the girls section. But it's a really difficult, it's like a societal thing, isn't it? And I think it's a perception thing. So if anything, if, I'd love to see the perceptions change in five to 10 years. Um, and I know today we it announced yesterday that obviously the Red Roses won Six Nations. Whoop whoop. Um, but so many disappointing comments on that post. Um, like so many awful comments on the post. And and I'd love it for one day yeah. someone to post that and that not be the case. And I think that one of my mates texted me being like Romeo Beckham tweeted, and I thought, oh, this is brilliant. But I'm like, why am I celebrating that a, a young boy because a young boy has, t- has tweeted it when realistically. And it's a bit sad that I'm celebrating if there's not a negative comment on it. So I just hope that one day that people can knock their heads together and, and realise that the society's changing and it is accepted. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, I, I haven't read a newspaper for I don't know how many years now because I always get fed up with the, the negative connotations all the time. So, yeah, you see that. It's this fantastic post about, yay, well done, Red Roses, and then it's just blah, 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 blah. And some of the negative comments around Nolly's commentary at the weekend as well. I mean, I, I thought she did a bang-on job. You know, really knowledgeable when somebody's saying on social media about oh she's obviously played at some low level somewhere it's, it, and you know what it is, no is <laughs> and all it is is it's different it's not what yeah. they're normally used to now that's not yeah, saying it's yeah. not great and good it's just not used to it so they're just not used to have listening to a woman so they're just like nah she, she can't have played very good rugby it's all and and really it's that's just woman, have, have an open mind yeah. about the situation and realize that um you know that the, the nine-year-old girl is going to be better than your nine-year-old boy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Mary Ann, then, so how would you like to see the girls' game? I mean, Brian has given us her thoughts on it. Where would I, you like to see the girls' game in in five years and ten years' time? I completely agree with um, but on on a lot of things. Um, 
I'd like to see the girls grow um, within our area as well. Um, the issue that we have around us is we have got Guildfordians that has the likes of Leanne Riley, that is the head coach for the girls section over there. So without the progression from my own club, going up to under 13s is actually, well, you either have Guildfordians or you go for the route. Um, so, right. yes, yeah, it'd be yeah. quite nice to see maybe, you know, if we do have, um, you know, get sponsorship, even if it's, you know, to back up the girls within a club to have that face of, you know, somebody in, like, like Leanne being the top of it. And then you have other coaches, you know, that would be coaching those girls, you know, weekly. Um, it's She's done very, very well, Leanne Riley, for being the face of the Guildfordians girls. And I think for a lot of clubs, it'd be quite nice to have that kind of input from the elite teams that we have out there. So, find, so you find a lot of the girls that go into that kind of central hub, as it were, yeah. um, as opposed to staying with yourself. So yeah. what do you think then you could do differently at your club to maybe get the girls to stay there and Obviously, they're going to. It's difficult to say, don't go and get coached by that England player over there. Please stay here. But what do you think <laughs> you can offer the club? Um, to I, make think, them want I think when you look at it, when, when you look at the girls that I've known that have moved over to that club, it's, you know, that is their star. You know, they've been watching them, you know, for a long yeah. time. And that's who they want to aspire to be as a, you know, a female rugby player. So, um, yeah, I think it's all down to the girls and how they aspire to want to drive their own rugby as well rather than having a pushy parents and you're going to go here or you're going to go there. Yeah, I did hear somebody once said to me, um, is it the child that drives the parents to training or the parents that drive the child to training, which is quite a true statement very often. Um, thinking on then... Do we think, John, as I want to come to you on this, mate, mm -hmm. knowing uh, we've got quite a strong female coach that we work with. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, I've, I've had the pleasure of coaching with Bryony and Poppy, uh, seen Nolly in action. Um, Marianne, I know you're a great coach as well. Uh, lots of female coaches. How do we get more female coaches involved in the game? Do you think that would help grow it? Um, 100%, Annie. I think, I think I'd love to see more um, female coaches coaching all rugby, not just girls, girls rugby. I think it's really important. I mean, I, you think about, you know, there's some evenings that when we're coaching the girls and, 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 and Hannah's not there, it's it's all it's all dads. Yeah, completely with the best intentions and very, very good coaches. But I do think girls would benefit, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think they would benefit from a female coach's slightly different view of things. I think, I think they would really, you know, there's an, an element of, you know, it's, it would just really help Andy, I think. Um, it would be good to say. I think we, we've got a few in the young in the younger age groups of uh, Ellingham and Ringwood. I don't I don't know if they're mums of boys or mums of girls, but jumping back to the thing when 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 you leave mixed rugby, if you're you know a, a coach, male or female, and your son and your son's playing, you go off and play coaching the juniors. If you're if if there's you know if your child's a daughter, you go off and coach in the in the girls. So that split is is hard as well. I think from a coaching perspective, because you could lose. Yeah. You know, some seasons we, as you know, Andy, we've lost all coaches. You know, because they've all yeah, gone yeah. down the boys' side. So, I'd love to see more female coaches from grassroots all the way through to to the elites who come back and help. 
Absolutely. I mean, Marianne, do you think do you think it's a, a lack of playing experience, maybe, that also sort of stops women getting involved in the coaching side of it? Well, I started coaching um, under sixes many years ago, and I have gone up through some of the squads. I even stepped back down to help build up a squad last year. Um, I only picked up a rugby board myself at 39. I started playing rugby for a women's team. You're not that old. Was that in Fahrenheit, that age? Oh, that, that was a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I do feel old right now, and especially after having five broken ribs in one game. That was, you know, kind of a knock on the head for me, but I still got back up after, you know, recovery and got back on that pitch. So I do think having the experience of playing rugby as a coach really does benefit a female coach as well. Yeah, absolutely. And for absolutely. anybody really coaching. That's interesting. I remember when Nolly came down to us, I was chatting to her about coaching, and and I remember her saying this to me. Her, her in her opinion, it's great to have someone who's who's experienced rugby coach who's played rugby. It's also very good to have someone who's a, who's a good coach who's never played rugby, maybe come from a different sport, maybe come from you know like volleyball for you, Andy, or just another sport to give yeah, us yeah. a different view. And I remember her saying that. And so whether it's male or female. I think it's great to have coaches who aren't just rugby through and through, especially the old way of rugby where you stick it up your jumper and run through the middle. Um, and yeah, I think definitely. it's great when you bring other views, whether it's football, any sport, cricket, netball. We see it, and I love watching the multi-sport players play, the ones who are obviously, you know, got great hands because they play netball or gymnasts who jump up, like, you know, when they hit the floor. And that's, that's all I would say. I think it's important to have other views from different sports in, in, in your coaching team because it's really, I think it adds value and depth to what you, how you coach personally. Yeah, I think there's, a, I mean, Brian, I mean, what's the, I mean, the coaching side of it at Saris, I mean, sort of talking to other, or reading about other Prem um, and sort of super rugby teams that are focusing as much off field as they are on the field. Has you seen the sort of coach structure change at the club for you guys recently or is it, has it always been that kind of same Forwards coach, backs coach, head coach. You know, is is it more involved now, or is it still that kind of same basic structure? Um, we we've had some big changes recently, actually. In in Sarri's, the structure, not the structure, not the how it is. I.e., backs, forwards, head. That's um, pretty standard. But I think obviously we we announced we've got two player coaches. So I think that's always um, ideal especially when they've both got over 100 caps each so we've obviously got Tamara Taylor and Rocky Clark um, and they're two female coaches that we've just been talking about but um, and they're obviously unbelievable coaches they're level four um, and I think it's really it's great that the RFU does that in the sense that they support um, ex-England players and um, put them on the courses and send them through but I think that's all great for the elite level but when you talk about trying to get female um, coaches into the grassroots level, grassroots level, I think it's, it's even more difficult because it's the confidence that comes with it. If a if a woman comes and brings her child and then goes, oh maybe I could help and volunteer here and but again it's it's that environment and that confidence and yes they've never played rugby before but I know I know males that have obviously then got into coaching and and obviously brought something different and been amazing at it. But the, for a woman to then go, or oh, maybe I could help out, it's such a different environment that I think, the, can the RFU offer any any help and guidance there? I don't know. But I think that's the kind of surely the biggest hurdle you have to get through, that maybe there are women yeah. out there that want to help but just don't have the confidence to. And I wouldn't have the confidence if I turned up to a rugby club and had never played before. Um, but as 
as our coaching structure at Saris, it's it's completely standard in what we have, but it's amazing that we've actually got two females. Um, That's yeah. And I wish as a, as a kid that, Obviously, I had Steve Benson, the legend, the, the myth, the man, the legend, the absolute, one and only, the one and only <laughs> Stephen Steve Benson, and probably coached by the whole Benson family. To be fair, I'm sure Charlotte coached <laughs> on the pitch. Um, but um, as a girl growing up and seeing a female coach, I think it, it'd be amazing to have more grassroots coaches. And yeah, we the likes of me, Poppy and Nolly, are all gonna can come in and, and give you that rugby insight, but. We're not going to be there every week. So people like you, Marianne, are so um, so amazing for the girls, the girls that are at your clubs. And I think the more we can get women and parents and mums involved, the better it could be for the girls' environment too. And not saying that the men shouldn't be involved, but I just think sometimes um, just the related to be able to relay and um, to the female that's in front of you, it's 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 something different. Well, I found it interesting in because uh, the last two seasons I've been involved in the all schools program. So going in and coaching in schools, predominantly working with female teachers, um, and then having that conversation about okay, it might be rugby. You may never have played it before, but you've played netball, you've played hockey, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's all about putting a player into space with the ball. And when you kind of get past that mentality of I might not have actually played rugby, um, you had there was one session at uh, your old school, uh, Brian uh, Burgate. God. Um, I just last second I could not make a session and the, the female teacher took the session and she just re-ran what we did a couple of days before and it's great she had a great time the kids loved it and it's brilliant just giving her a little bit of confidence and making her realise that you don't need to have had to play I mean, it does help if you've played but you don't necessarily at that sort of level have to have played for years and years and years to get the points across yeah. so it, think, um, and it is, it is solely the perception of rugby yeah. Um, and so that's why I always just hope that that people can just be that that that, that, that just that little bit of a, more of an open mind about the whole situation and about girls um, playing rugby because we I think often in England camp we laugh about the comments we get but it, it gets to a point where it's still happening. Like last week, someone asked me um, the most ridiculous question, and I just thought, is it ever going to get to? A point? And it was a young, it was a boy about my age, and I thought. Are you that close-minded? Are you that naive to the situation that that's the question you've asked me? Um, and I just and again that's and that's the when women struggle to have the confidence coaches because of the perceptions that that people have. Um, so hopefully that what people can the RFU can get behind and empower women and and parents and and, and maybe it can change. But it's a really really tricky situation. Absolutely, absolutely. So Marianne, as a, a kid's first mentor. Um, somebody involved heavily at the club obviously what changes do you think we need to actually look at for the girls structure we touched on the pathway earlier and the fact that there isn't really one um, do you think that constituent bodies need to get more heavily involved in trying to develop the girls game especially with the World Cup around the corner and all these new deals and everything or do you think it needs to come from the top down from Twickenham um, I think it's to do with all clubs um, and their own management within clubs um, and obviously your chair of rugby as well to really back up the you know kids section from under 11s to build it up because you've got that under 11s gap where they've only got that season and then they have to not play mix again so it's building up from under 11s up to under 15s to under 18s 
to get that support in place for the under 11 coaches then break away then you have your girls section recently we've had a massive intake of young little girls joining a lot of uh, different age group squads which is fantastic to see we just need to get in place now that come under 11s they've got somewhere to go after that so I think it's to do with having a club uniting together and trying to support the development of the girls within the club Cool. Jonas, do you want to jump in on that from your experience a few years ago? Yeah, um, I think, and I don't know, by, by luck, what we did, Marianne, was, is at Ellingham Ringwood, we actually set up an under-11 girls team. We, we were lucky, as I said to you earlier, we had about 10 girls in what would have been under-10s then, who were, and, and they were starting to wobble a little bit. They were starting to get a bit nervous. However good a player they were, they were worried about the physical size of some of the boys, and we saw... You know, some of the girls starting to sort of miss the odd session or not want to come to to festivals or whatever it might be. So um, with the help of the Hampshire RFU, who who were very supportive, we set up an under-11s age group, which actually stopped at least half a dozen girls walking away from the sport. And I think some are still playing now because we had, I think it was um, when when my daughters were in year 10, so so the year those, and lots of those girls are still playing and they would have walked away and, and gone to other sports so I think for two things for me I said one I think the under 11 girls section should be encouraged not to say we should they should all leave under 11 boys or mix I think it's really important because you know I think it's a really it's really really important age group still they should offer them the op- option of playing girls and also the girls who are good will play twice a week anyway they'll play on Sunday with the mixed and Wednesdays or whatever with the under 11 girls and I think we also have to look at the the non the, the rules from under in, in under thirteens girls, it's just so boring for them. They play the same rules that under eleven mixed, under twelve, yeah. under thirteens. It's just it's just how they're not bored by the end of three years of the same rules, and then have a massive yeah. jump. And, and you also did Andy under fifteens, and a massive jump into fifteen aside. I mean, I mean, coaching it must be hard enough. Let alone having to you know learn what you've done for three years and suddenly pick up. Now, especially if you're going to be in the forwards, you know, because all your positions come in at under 15s as well. So that's why I'd say look at under 11s as a girls' age group as an optional in some clubs to keep them playing, uh, which keeps your numbers up. And then also look at the rules in under 13s. That's what I'd say the yeah. two things. I'd say. I think that's the, the biggest thing for me, really, being involved in the girls' game sort of through the schools and, and at the club is we just need to look at that parity at the age groups. You see, on the rule side of it, as you say, John, we go from you play the same game for years and years and years and then suddenly wow it's 15 aside full size pitch away we go lifting and line outs full eight man scrum and that kind of stuff and it's a it's a hell of a jump it's too big yeah. a jump um but then does that come back to what we talked about earlier about the perception as well that it's only a girls game i mean is that do you think that's quite a true so i mean uh, brianie what would, uh, what did the girls game look like when you went in first into contact and they sort of jumped up through the age groups i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> Is it that long ago? No. Oh, yeah, honestly, it was. I. I. You know what though? Because I'm one person to get really bored. So if that was me currently, I'd probably would got. Or I'd be completely bored, um, Duncan, by the end of three years. And I, I saw something on social media the other day, and there's, um, 
um, and I saw it about the, the the differences between age grade for boys and age grade for girls, and how it changes through the years for every year for the boys, um, and yeah. whether that's pitch size ball or all the rules, and how it doesn't for the girls. And people say it's the same game, but just but it's not the same game. They're not letting the girls do what they do to the boys, and it's like why? Because there's no difference between them. There's no, but like, I don't understand that. So it's something that I have seen on social media. So I wish I had it right now so I could actually kind of quote it. But I've, it, it, I remember looking at it and not understanding fully. I didn't, I didn't realise um, it because it's been so long. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, it's really shocked me when I saw that and, and how the, the girls and the boys age grade rugby has different um, laws and rules. I thought that it really did blow my mind. It's quite mad. And they're such massively different ones as well at times. It's, do, you, it's um, quite... do we think, I mean, it's, it's a general question, do we think the reason, because if, if you think about the boys in junior age groups, it goes 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, and then to Colts, okay? The girls are all banded. So you have years 7 and 8 together, you have years 9 and 10 together. Is that because there's a, still a perception that there's not enough girls to make an under-14 team, for example, or an under-15 team? Because I think now there is. I think, there, you know, many, many clubs, there is a, they, they could make a four-inch team. And those rules then could be, they could follow, on Barney's point, they could follow the same rules as the boys all the way through. Okay, so at 14, you do this, at 15, you do that. But it's banded. And so if you're in under 18s now for girls, that's years 11, 12, and 13. You know, that's there, there is the um, the girls' game review group going on at the moment, um, which I've been very pleased to be a part of, and I know that is the perception of. I mean, we kind of ring fenced it almost as a, as a ten year goal. Was it five year goal? It was a few years goal in the future anyway. <laughs> to have single age groups for girls because it was just the thought of you'd never do it. You'd never get enough girls playing. But I think certainly some clubs have proven that's the, a myth now. Um, I mean, on that side of sort of growing the numbers and that. Do you think every club could actually... I mean, it's a massive, it's the fastest growing part of rugby. Um, could every club actually cope with a girls' section? And what support do they need? And where, where would they likely get it from? What do you think, Marianne? Yeah, you know, it'd be really nice to see, you know, an under-12s and under-13s, under-14, 15, 16 girls' groups, academy groups. Um I think, you know, for a lot of clubs that never had a girls' section as well, because there are a lot of clubs out there that have has never had a girls' section and start up one, I think they'd be, you know, they would probably need a lot of guidance from their local, you know, or few um, committee um, for restarting up girls. I, I do think there still needs to be that extra support from the county as well. And, yeah. you know, people that have, like yourself and from other clubs, like you said, that... I've got successful girls teams to, you know, maybe buddy up and help those other clubs that might need the guidance as well. I mean, Duncan, I mean, how many, how, how many clubs do we attract girls from or schools? Mm, I mean, it's, I mean, we're, it's quite hard, really. I mean, going back to my point from earlier, we we are a bit of a hub club, if that makes sense, yeah. because lots of clubs in our area um, don't have a girls session or historically haven't have a haven't had a girls section, a few have started recently. So we've got girls playing for us in many of the who's come from New Milton, who are a big rugby club, Wimborne. Uh, we've, had, we've got a couple of girls from Wimborne. Oak Medians, another big former club. Um, what I have seen that's quite a good, Marianne, actually, is what they've done in, in, in parts of Dorset. So you've got some big rugby clubs like Bournemouth, for example, Dorchester. And they quite often pull together to create a team. Okay, So we've, we've gone and played. We, we, we played Dorchester last year. 
and it was literally four or five players from each team because that's all they had in each set, in, in each of those clubs. But they but for that day they played under the Dorchester sort of barbarians or whatever you want to call them. So that that could be a way to do it to sort of you know buddy up with clubs if you don't have the numbers and create a sort of you know a barbars team for your um for your for your area. But yeah, we've we've been lucky. Obviously, it's really helped having not only Poppy and Bryony but but Lisa as well, who've gone on to do great things and that's put the spotlight on us. And so we've probably got, you probably know the numbers better, 120 girls now, Andy, in the section, something like that. Oh, yeah, it must be something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really good numbers. It's I brilliant. think I've had the same conversation at one of their conventions, Andy, with Hannah at that time talking about girls, about doing a bar bar team, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, we'd very welcomely support that. I think there's quite a few clubs that would. I mean, there are also clubs that, we could name, but for sake of politics, won't. Um, who refuse to have girls sections? So, do you think we should start to challenge them? What do you reckon, Bryony? Oh, don't, don't get me started. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I think you you see the most successful girls sections um, and the most thriving girls sections, and where. <sighs> A lot of the, the talent that is in this country comes from, um, and we we got so many ex and Ringwood players playing in in the in the prem, um, and who will be playing in the prem in the next few years? And I just think, and they come from the clubs who have the um, the leadership or have the volunteers who are so are passionate and willing um, to push the girls section in their clubs and willing to make it at the forefront and want to do special things for the girls and want to hold tournaments for the girls and do special events for the girls. I mean, um, LNM's one, but Basingstoke's another one and they've got um, two brilliant people there who are pushing for the girls. And the other day we were at an awards evening and there were so many of them um, in the stands as it was a COVID awards session. But um, I just, where are these, where, it's so difficult, but, if a club is serious about it, then it comes from within um, and it comes from the structures and the people they've got in places. Um, and, and that's where it, it gets pushed from. And again, I was at a club one the other day in, in, in during um, lockdown and we were doing a running session and we were kicked off the pitch, but the next day we come and then all the boys are on the pitch. And it, it, it's really frustrating to be at a club where I couldn't even run on their pitch. Um, and it, and maybe they, did, I don't know. They just, but it's just so, it's so frustrating. And um, I think they should be challenged, and they should be. It, maybe with the RFU, it's part of it. Like, where do you see your club in the next five years? Are you going to start a girls section, or are you? Have you got the infrastructure? Or are you willing to? Not like, are you ultimately really trying? But is it there that if someone a girl came to you, could like, is there something you could do, or are you looking to put feelings out? community into schools when you go into schools and you talk about the boys section are you also talking about the option of having a girls section i don't know but yeah don't get me started on clubs that don't because <laughs> give me their address oh, I, knew I'd, <laughs> I knew i'd get the heartfelt reply about it yeah i mean i mean marianne i know you've marianne, you've you've sort of come across a, a couple of hurdles i mean what sort of support do you think you'd need to actually help get the girls going up um both at crowthorne and at camberley i mean is there I anything think, that um, the local clubs can do to help you Crowthorne is a, it's a first team, you know, they've got men's first team and the, obviously they've got the women's first team. They've just recently started promoting their under 18 girls. So, you know, for a newish club and on new grounds, and I have to say their first team pitch is a bit like the Twickenham pitch, I have to say, lovely to play on. <laughs> nice, um, nice. <laughs> but 
it's you know it's that progression as you know like a new club like that having new grounds is they've got their 10-year plan and they are you know they are on the way of doing it so coming into girls and even you know having a minis that's down you know a couple of years down the pipeline I think for them to grow that club um for Camberley I do think there's a lot of people that really want to have a girls section um it's just you know, getting all everybody together, bang the heads together, and you know, let's crack on and get going with it. You know, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. cool. I, so um, oh, sorry, go sorry. On. I was just, just thinking about me getting off on one again, but um, I please do, please do. <laughs> I listen to stories um about some some of my friends at our women women's clubs and. They they'll just it'll be little comments. Just for example, you have got that first team pitch, Marianne. I don't know if the women get to use it, but often they won't. The okay. club wouldn't let the women's team use the first team pitch, and I'm like, but it's your women's first team, so it. And people won't call it call that situation out, or the boys will get their kit for free, but the girls pay, or the women will um not get the subsuits, and the men get and it, and they're like, oh, there's new subsuits in the clubhouse, but it's not for ours; it'll be for the men. And I'm just like, why are you not calling your club out for that? Because you should, in the minimum, should be the equality situation in your club. If you've got women's and the men's, they should be seen on equal parity, um, because they're both your first teams. Um, so that really gets to me. And if I go to a website and I can't find the women's section on a website, that again gets to me. And it's the smallest things in the world, just being on a website, but it's just the equality, and then that feeds through to the girls section. Um, yeah, yeah. And and if you can do that for the adults, then it will fit, drip down. But people are maybe not afraid, but just don't want to rock the boat in the sense of, of maybe the structures or the the people who sit at the top at that club. But it really frustrates me when people te- when people do tell me um, examples like that. So there's there's three words that seem to keep popping up: the three P's. So it's just perception, parity, and pathway. It just keeps coming back to those three things. So very very good from you. Do you like that? Do you like yeah. that? Yeah. I like I'm that never, a lot. I'm never thinking. Don't that's ever it. dance. That's um, all, all night that's taken him to work those three out. All night. I'll tell you. <laughs> I've been on all afternoon. I was saying, oh, please, I hope they say that. But I think that's the, the thing is, it's just it's changing those perceptions, getting some kind of parity between the, the boys and the girls game, which then helps us build that pathway. And I think it, it's all there. It just needs that nudge to get it over the whitewash, to coin the phrase. Um, and I think... Um, it's there, it's achievable with the Allianz putting their money in, growing the grassroots in the women's game and also the, the top end of it. Uh, and the great work, I mean, Marianne, you're quite vocal in trying to get the girls going where you are. I can imagine that's going to be, hopefully inspire other people around the country to give it the same sort of go. John, as you've done a fantastic job at our place, mate, getting that girls going. And um, without you and your sort of input a few years ago, it wouldn't be half what it was. Um, it's difficult though, isn't it? Because um, Duncan and Marianne, you've obviously have both done amazing things at your clubs, but we we are still asking for so much more from them both. In the sense of we're we're asking for the perception there to change and and um, parity and but it's 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 oh then goes it still sits in the hands of the volunteers that do so much of the women's game and still have so much to go. So it's just like, at what point do other people get involved and how can we get them involved and how can we ask for other people to be putting their necks on the line to push our sport and um, push the future of the girls that play our sport. But it's a really difficult one as well to ask them to do so much more because they do such amazing jobs. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's just finding that sort of other team. Just, Sorry, just, just, just one comment, and, and and thanks, Brian. But it does concern me 
because obviously I thought our girls only win with food from you know from you know back when Belle started at the age of four, but it's hard work getting. I don't know what Marianne think. Getting making sure you've got an under eleven girls coach, you've got an under thirteen. It's not just a coach; it's the right coach because it, yeah. it's very yeah. very important to to develop you know any player, girl or boy, in the right way. And you know it's and it, you know you and I talk about this all the time. It, it number one, it has to be fun. And if you make yeah, it definitely. fun, they'll go on and great make you know they'll go on to be the next Bryony Cleal. If it's not fun, they'll walk away. You know, I, it does concern me that we have to find a way to get good coaches in kids' first sections, and then hopefully they'll drift their way into under eleven girls, under thirteen girls, and upwards. Um, but I, I, I still get frustrated. And you mentioned Basingstoke early Bryony, who I think are. We've got a great relationship with Bayes and Stoke of girls. We've got a great relationship with Trojans of girls. But there's still clubs that we don't want to go to because it's not it's not fun. You know, these girls are 11, 12, 13 years of age, whatever. So, you know, it's really important that the pathway considers it has to be fun still for me, you know, number one. Yeah. So, you know. I think they, that's a good point, John. I mean, you think that the number of sort of, Clubs in Hampshire that can put out decent girls squads and sort of sustain their own sides. Yeah, and yeah. You, don't want to, you don't want to take your girls to some of them. It's, it's quite a, a sad thought. A great um, example actually of, 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 of a positive club is Trojans. They're brilliant. You know, Marcus the Trojan yeah. is superb. And if you want to, ever want to come south from Marianne down down the M3 and play against Trojans, they are superb. It's all about fun. Marcus himself is great. They've got other coaches. Um, involved in, in the younger age groups um, as well, so um, I think yeah, you know there's you know there's I, I suppose in the, you know in you know in the junior clubs for boys there's clubs they avoid as well, and it's probably it might be the same club, yeah, think, yeah, the <laughs> same club. But yeah, I think it's um, I just you know it is great, and I've seen the change. And I just hope it continues because on Barney's point, the volunteers like Marianne and I, in the end, our children will finish. You know, you know, leave under 18s and whatever. And there'll be a point where I can't coach. I'm not good enough to coach some you know, some of the girls under 18s, you know. So it's, it's a hard one. I think, you know, investment might be needed to help us, you know, coach, you know, coaching under 18 girls because we're lucky at Belling Women. We've obviously got Henry, who, who Barney knows. We've got Colin Searsby floating around. Hannah, you, Andy. But, yeah, it does worry me that it's not only bringing the future girls along, it's bringing the, the, the coaches with the right mentality as well. Yeah, yeah, so that's another P to add then. It's the the post World Cup. <laughs> uh, he's on fire. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say one thing actually. Could you could you could you miss me out for the rugby World Cup question earlier, Andy? I'm going to say to Barney now. The one thing I think would really really help is if the Red Roses could win the World Cup, Barney. No pressure, but I think that would be yeah. a massive <laughs> game changer. We'll try for you. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. I think that would be the game changer if we can win the World Cup. That will be you know because we saw it with women's cricket, didn't we, a few years ago when they won. Well, at Lords, yeah, and it really yeah. changed that. And then you know you see the you know the growth in in, in women's cricket since then has been a, been immense. So yeah, I think it's uh yeah no pressure, Brian. Just, just, just put in the mix the Irish women's team too. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're breaking up there, Marianne. You're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, I appreciate that. I've taken loads of your time up. Um, I want to thank you. Huge thanks for me. It's been brilliant chatting. I uh, hope you've enjoyed chatting to me as well. Um, I think if we can just round it up there. So it's the four Ps we needed. We need to change people's perception, get parity between the age groups, develop some kind of proper pathway, 
And then post World Cup, here we go. Pressure's on. Oh, another P there. Pressure, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, let's wrap it up. Huge thanks to my special guests for their time this evening. Thank you, Duncan. No worries. Thanks, Andy. And thanks for having me. Thanks, Marianne. Thank you, Andy, for having us. Thanks, Bryony. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having us. Uh, thank you, dear listener, for listening to episode one of the Glass Half Full podcast. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the chat as much as I have, and hope you can join me next time. Bye for now. <laughs>